used to have an addiction. I mean, who doesn't? Whatever it is, phones, attention, tattoos, coffee. I'm looking at some of you right now. We chase what gives us dopamine. My addiction was being known. And if you're saying right now, Karis, that is a red flag, you would be correct. You know in the Emperor's New Groove, when he pauses the tape and rewinds a little bit, consider that happening right now. We're going back to 14-year-old Karis. And one important thing to know about 14-year-old Karis is that at the time, I had a superpower, invisibility. And yes, that is my hand-drawn superhero from 14. And though I don't have knee-high orange boots, I do have a cape. So this is my best superhero <laughs> impression over here. <laughs> so at 14, I was small and quiet, unintentionally unobtrusive, and could generally slip through crowded spaces unnoticed. I even tested it one summer at church camp. I wrote a bunch of encouraging anonymous notes to tons of kids at camp and got everyone wondering who was writing them. To test my self-proclaimed invisible nature, I didn't even try to be secretive. At camp, mail was distributed during lunch in the campground cafeteria, which was open for exactly one hour in the middle of the afternoon to a couple hundred sweaty, loud, hungry teenagers taking turns cutting in line to get to the front. Four long aisles of tables stretched the middle of the room, and right in the middle of all of it sat the mail table. A counselor stood by the table with a megaphone shouting names off of the letters into the crowd. This would be like Janet Rush standing in the cafeteria right after the 1045 classes trying to yell out all of our mail. Everyone's eyes and ears were perked to the table waiting to hear their name called so that they could pick up their mail. And here I was in the middle of it all walking right up to the table and dropping off a huge stack of now well-known baby blue envelopes signature to the anonymous writer. Camp was close-knit and small, meaning much like York campus, word spread like wildfire. Wildfire. You guys know it's impossible to keep a secret around here. If just one person had taken the time to notice the wiry girl with false confidence adding mail to the pile, my whole secret identity would have been blown. And yet, no one did. I maintained the secret all week of camp, dropping off new letters every day. It wasn't until another semi-invisible kid went around getting signatures for a thank you card, also known as handwriting samples, that someone knew it was me. Okay, neat story and smart kid to get handwriting samples, but how does that lead to where I am now? Well, at the time my identity was in being unseen. I tried to take pride in that, but honestly, it really hurt. I had almost wanted to be discovered dropping off the envelopes. I waited with bated breath, thinking surely someone would catch me but I had no large group of friends, no one picking me for their team first, and no one choosing to see me. I wanna be clear, this is not a pity party. There's a lot I could have done to reach out to more people, or I could have befriended the other invisibles. My point is, I let that loneliness sink in and define me. I sat defeated on the edge of crowds and stopped trying, waiting for a place I could establish a new identity, a seen identity. So flash forward a few years, and my clean slate was handed to me on a platter, college, Yes, this is the obviously bustling skyline of York, Nebraska here. <laughs> so York was a place 12 hours from home where I knew no one at all, but most importantly, nobody knew me. I had a new chance to make sure I was seen no matter what. And that, of course, is where I went wrong, no matter what. I was roomed with someone far more outgoing than me and started comparing 
my seeingness levels to hers and was falling way behind. She had it all together, spoiler alert, she did not. She had friends all over and even had a nickname on campus by the second week of classes. So I resorted to no matter what. I got attention in the unhealthy ways I knew how. I burned myself out on school trying to keep up perfect grades and be seen by teachers, and I accepted unhealthy attention from boys who did not care about me for my personality. I was finding my validation through people and grades and my seenness. My identity was only as good as how significant I was, and it was poisonous. Let me rewind again. Nothing was wrong with me being quiet. Invisibility was obviously not a superpower, but rather introversion. I had some good friends and people that cared about me, but I craved to fill this hole from long ago that told me if I was not noticed by more people, I was not good enough. I had no peace. Imagine how it felt later when I realized my worth did not ride on how many people I knew or how much I was noticed. Imagine the relief this little 14-year-old Karis felt when she realized she had been seen all along, even in her invisible days. My identity had never been a nobody because in Christ I was always a somebody. Even on the days I felt like no one was listening, God heard me. On the days I felt unloved, God loved me. The pressure was off. To be considered valuable, I no longer had to fight an entire world of people fighting to be seen. I could be more honest now, too. I no longer had to hide my values and my downfalls or pretend to be someone I wasn't just to get others to like me. For the first time in a long time, I could relax. I could be me. And that is what an identity in Christ is. It's not a crown to flaunt to others. It's not stripping you of your uniqueness. It's God extending a gift to us, a gift of grace and mercy and love. Without an identity in Christ, this life is all we have, and we must be seen here to make a difference. With an identity in Christ, we are terminally known and inexplicably loved, significant beyond measure. We are given purpose and meaning and hope. We're given security and assurance that our safety in the kingdom of heaven does not rely on how good we do down here. That doesn't mean run around and do whatever you want to because our actions should be in line with our identity in Christ, but it does mean we're not being graded or written off when we make mistakes. Can you imagine if heaven ran on recommendation basis? Dear God, I am writing to recommend Karis, a truly remarkable, um, outstanding, uh, I'm writing to recommend Karis, an individual who has demonstrated a strong commitment of life, of service to others, most of the time. Just ignore when she saved the last piece of gum for herself or when she called the driver in front of her grandma Moses. Anyway, anyway, off topic. I've had the privilege of knowing Karis for almost 23 years now, and during that time I've been impressed by her character. No, uh, I've, uh, seen her be a character? Well, anyway, she has a deep and genuine love for you, and I'm confident that she would be an asset to your kingdom. I highly recommend her for any opportunity to serve you. I don't know about you. Also, I had ChatGPT write that for me. I don't know about you, but I am thankful we cannot earn our way into heaven. There is no way I would meet that mark. But thankfully for you and me, God creates a clean slate for us every morning. He holds no record of wrongs. Some of you may recognize this verse, Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In short, your past does not matter. That is in all caps. Too far gone is a fallacy. As Jimmy McGill, a.k.a. Saul Goodman, says, the fallacy of sunk cost, 
It's what gamblers do. It's like, I've already spent this much time or money, whatever. I've got to keep going. No, there's no reward at the end of this game. Every second is a new chance to accept your identity in Christ and live accordingly. That may mean letting go of some things you don't want to. A relationship, a friend group, whatever it is you're addicted to. But let me tell you, it is worthwhile. A common argument I hear in regard to this is happiness. You may consider yourself happy right now and therefore conclude that you don't need God. And the truth is, you don't need God for happiness on earth. Matthew 5.45 says that God makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. In other words, we don't get special treatment on earth one way or another. Our blessings as Christians are stored up in heaven. Think delayed gratification for my psych majors in here. Furthermore, why would the enemy make life uncomfortable for someone he already has in his pocket and risk them turning to God? Life without an identity in Christ is like a decadent, comfortable, plush jail cell. The door is wide open for now, and there may be no immediate reason to leave, but eventually the door closes, and I don't plan to be trapped when it does. So no, you don't need God for happiness right now, and it's a totally different discussion why God brings a different happiness and joy under all circumstances, even the hard ones, but happiness now is not a reason to defer your identity in Christ. To wrap up, I'm going to leave you with one last verse. This is one that Mallory gave to me on a card at the start of my job in the admissions office and is dear to my heart. Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect peace. I don't know about you, but I could have used that peace when I was 14 at camp, when I was 18 starting college, when I was 22 speaking in front of a bunch of people in chapel. I mean, goodbye, sorry. No, but really, I was never going to find peace on my own. The only thing that can fill that hole in you is an identity in Christ. And just like I was being addicted to being known, some of you here are addicted to maintaining an identity, a reputation. I've heard almost every identity queen speaker get up here and say they placed their identity in something once that took it all out of them trying to uphold it. Why put all of that pressure on yourself when you already have a ready-to-go, life-changing identity right in front of you? An identity in Christ means that you can have peace, live a significant life, live honestly and without pressure, and it is never too late to accept it. If you have questions, want to talk about doubt or being known, feeling unseen, or Jesus in general, my office is open and you all walk past it every time you give the cash. Feel free to stop in any time, literally any one of you, no matter what you think about me or what you think I think about you. Because even if you think I don't know you, here's what I do know about you. You are noticed, you are here, you are loved, you are forgiven, and you are welcome in my office. And let me tell you something about me quickly. I'm half South African, I collect earrings, I have four dogs, and my most guarded secret is my middle name. I write bad poetry and even wrote one about identity, which I will not read because it was in fact bad, and of course, find my identity in Christ alone. Now we know each other and you have no reason not to come visit. Okay, that is all. I love you guys and thank you for listening. Thank you.